Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright. I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, Nikki. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, how are you feeling this morning? I'm doing pretty good. Not too bad. It's a fine Monday. Yeah. Do you feel like we're getting uh, we're we're getting our sea legs uh, back under us a little bit? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. Not yet. No. Okay. No. I feel like I need to ask this sort of that uh, sort of weather set question. Like, are we are we there yet? Are we? Th- it's okay if it's no, but I just need to keep asking the question. So, are we there yet? No. No. We're not there yet. No. But we're doing our best. Uh, We have a fantastic guest on the show today to help us talk a little bit about um, a a Pete Buzzy brainstorm over the last weekend. And uh, I'm excited to have this very guest on the show. Before we do that, uh, we're going to head over to Take Control ADHD to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list. And we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if this show has ever touched you, if you appreciate the fantastic guests that cross this podcast, the, the folks who are are helping to help you live your life in a better way with ADHD, uh, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. There you can join for just a few bucks a month. You can uh, get access to a live stream of this recording, which can sometimes be a real disaster that gets completely <laughs> edited out. It, the the what the people see the public sees that's worth it right I tune think in so. for Pete's Pete's hot mess of of editorial mistakes uh, by just joining patreon.com.com slash the ADHD podcast you know it's more than that we have an incredibly diverse member community over on discord and Facebook people who are doing their best to live their best lives with ADHD and providing an incredible set of resources, an incredible, uh, warm and welcoming community of uh, support and accountability for you and your ADHD. Check it out. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Make good financial decisions. Also, we'd love it if you'd consider supporting the show. Thanks, everybody. Our guest today is one of my dearest and oldest friends, and it's so fun when worlds collide like this. Dr. Dodge Ray is a uh, psychotherapist in Nashville, and uh, also he sings a cappella, and that's where I met him so many years ago, and now I get to talk to him about head stuff today. Hi, Dodge. Hello, Pete. Hey, Nikki. 
Welcome. Thank you. Uh, we, we've talked about Dodge before. Uh, I, I believe his name has been dropped. So it's about time that he gets on the show. Let me just let me just set the stage about where my head was this weekend. I uh, introduced my son to uh, two fantastic Simon Pegg movies, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. (laughs) Now. Never heard of them. Okay, they're amazing. They're amazing movies. And they're also horrifically violent. Right. I mean, there's just they're funny. They're comedy movies, but there's zombie is a zombie movie. One of them and a high action cop comedy or comedy movie in another. And it's just sometimes you're just jarred by horrific acts of violence that, you know, zombies and other humans. Okay, Pete, my daughter and I watched Little Women. So, yeah. well, one could arguably <laughs> one could make the case that Little Women would have been better with more shocking acts of violence. But <laughs> that notwithstanding, I uh, I, I showed uh, my son this these movies, and we had a blast, a blast <laughs> until nighttime, and then nighttime comes around, and he's like, "Yeah, that <laughs> that one scene when that thing happened to that guy's head, I can't get that out of my head." right now. I can't go to sleep. I'm in a constant never-ending loop. And it hit me all of a sudden. Oh, my God. So am I. I am in a constant never-ending loop. And the the stress of living in a world uh, that I am not yet able to say post-coronavirus is causing many of some very uncomfortable behaviors, looping behaviors and looping negative thought patterns to to show up in my head. And I thought, you know what I need more than anything else? I need a pattern interrupt. I need something. I need a set of tools that I can call on that that will allow me to reach down to that computer in my head and unplug it for a bit to give me a reset, right? To interrupt the the never-ending loop, the infinite loop that is going on in my head that's causing me to obsessively check the latest statistics on the uh, on the pandemic, to obsessively check the news. Why do I constantly care what's coming out of the White House? I don't know, but why why do I really want to have of Dr. Fauci's number on speed dial. It's just where my head is. So <laughs> I, I reached out to that. Dodge. Yeah, right? Well, so I reached yeah. out to, to Dodge and I said, look, we need to talk about that. I need you to help me encapsulate this experience and figure out what my brain is doing so that we can introduce some tools, hopefully, that might help folks do a pattern interrupt. What do you think? I love it. I think it's a great idea. So Pete and I started talking about this as I was, I was driving to work, um, scrambling in my mind for exactly uh, what you needed and how it might be helpful. I guess what occurred to me was that we're talking about two different things. One is the pattern, and the second is the interrupt. Lots of folks will go straight to, how do I fix this? Um, But I think you fix it better if you understand what it is you're trying to fix. I found myself uh, telling Pete on the way to work about um, a book I've, I've really loved for a while now, years now, called The Open Focus Brain. It's written by a neuropsychologist named Les Femi, F-E-H-M-I. And I really recommend this book to probably literally all of my clients. <laughs> the poor people have heard me talk about this a fair amount because it shows up in almost anything we all might be working on. Les Femi is a guy who really has been kind of right at the forefront of understanding EEG neurofeedback to teach us about what's happening in the brain in terms of the different 
brain waves that are, first of all, exist and then are active and then why, and then how to change those. And so literally 35 years ago or more, he was right at the forefront of understanding, oh, there's this idea of alpha waves out there, right? That our brain is functioning at different frequencies. And he started getting really interested in how that works. He was using electrodes on his head back when an EEG was expressed on paper, like a polygraph, right? And he was interested in how do I build these alpha waves? Because he'd heard rumor that there is a a relaxed state of being where one could focus, but in a flexible way, in a fluid way, rather than in a kind of rigid or anxious or alarmed way, and that that might feel good. Um, and so he started getting really interested in how do I create that? And so he tried and he tried and he tried and hours and hours and hours went by. And no matter how hard he tried, it, if at anything, if anything, it just got worse until at one point he finally just got so frustrated, he gave up and closed his eyes and stopped trying so hard. And the next thing you knew, his brain went into an alpha state. And of course, then he tried to reproduce it and went away again quickly. And he started <laughs> to realize that an alpha state is not a, a state of effort. It's something else. So I thought what I'd do would be to explain just a little bit about what I know for, about this book and kind of how he works with these different states of mind so that I could give you an idea of what this pattern might be. Does that sound okay? Well, it does to me. I, I feel like what, uh, you know, I explaining kind of where my brain goes when the experience of stress and anxiety pushes it into modes that are not that that I'm not accustomed to right for me and I started thinking about this in the relationship to sort of the like OCD behavior knowing of course I have no OCD diagnosis but it just feels like it when I when I'm stressed and I pull out of the driveway and I push the button to close the garage and I drive two houses down and I've already forgotten if I've closed the garage. And so I drive around the block and I, by the time I get to the top of the hill, I'm coming past my house. I forget to look at my house. Um, and so I drive two more houses. I'm like, Oh crap, my house. And so I drive the loop again. And, and that, that sort of pattern, I like, I, I, that is a, that is an experience that I know my brain is, it feels like hearing you talk about this is switching back and forth a little bit between those states. And, uh, and, and that is causing an increase in anxiety. Like those things, that little example, that happens a lot when my brain is otherwise stressed with the, the world is on fire kind of energy right now. Yeah. You know, what I've experienced in the last couple of weeks is that I know I'm under a lot of stress. But it's coming out in just really weird ways. Like, mm -hmm. you know, by the end of the week, I'm exhausted. And so I just can't do anything. Like Fridays are a really hard day for me to do yeah. anything. And I'm realizing it's because it's all this underlying stress that I'm feeling where I just need to shut down. There's a different, for, for me, there's a different tone to that that kind of exhaustion at the end of the week, it's like a bone weariness. Like, I feel like I am I weigh a thousand pounds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and that is unique. That's, I'm mm -hmm. not accustomed to feeling that I'm not that either, way. Yeah. yeah. What Dr. Femi would say is that how we pay attention to the materials, the context, the situations of our lives matters a whole lot more than what we're paying attention to in terms of how we feel and function. And that, in the waking states, there are basically two primary modes through which we operate. The beta state is a very fast-moving brain frequency that lets us make 
quick decisions, identify problems, attack them, and move on from them to the next potential problem if there is one. It lets us drive really fast. It lets us translate language on the fly. It lets us um, jump into a complex problem and uh, get to it quickly and do something about it. It lets us take action and it ramps up quickly when we're trying really hard. It also ramps up quickly when we're scared. So if we're anxious about something, stressed about something, whatever, our beta tends to kick in to protect us. It is like the neurological equivalent of adrenaline. Very useful for fighting or fleeing. Very useful for jumping all over something. But just like adrenaline, really bad for you when it's running chronically. Most of the time, ideally, if we're using our brains the way that we're supposed to be using them, we're moving into a problem, applying that brain state beautifully, solving the problem quickly, and then coming back down into an alpha state where we're relaxed where our attention is less narrow and drilled in on a particular issue and much more diffusely open to the full context of what's happening, including literally our peripheral vision and hearing. Most of us don't live there, though. We mostly live almost 100% of the time in one beta state moving to the next, to the next, to the next. And as I was saying to Pete in the, in the car... If your only tool is a hammer, all the world starts to look like a nail. If your only tool is a problem solver, all the world looks like what? A problem. A problem, Mm -hmm. right. 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 So we're now living chronically around the clock in a completely unfamiliar and weird state. Mm -hmm. We've got a freaking global pandemic going on. And in theory, what's happening right in front of us is a whole lot more relaxed than our normal work week. In theory, we've got more time. We're getting more sleep. We've got plenty of time to meditate or go on a walk or whatever. We may not be using it, but in theory, this should be a lot more restful. And almost everybody I'm talking to is exhausted by the end of the week. And I think it's because we're, we've got like the beta state redlined kind of all day long and don't know it. And we don't have to because it turns out not to be more helpful. It, it's funny. I, I listen to you talk about that. And I, of course, because I'm, in beta state mode most of the time right now, uh, all I can think about is flattening the curve, right? Using that metaphor again. Yes. And that I, I feel like right now, I, you know, I read that article, The Hammer and the Dance, right, on how to attack the pandemic. And it was all about, you know, you first you do all the quarantine, social isolation, because you want to prevent, you know, flattening the curve, right? So you have the two curves. One, here's what happens if we don't, and and our system gets completely overloaded. And then here's what happens if we do do those things, and the system gets gets flat on the graph. And it just makes total intuitive sense to me. And that suddenly is making sense to me as a way to interpret what you're talking about. If I live constantly in that beta state, what I'm doing is I'm I am living in that hammer mode, and I'm not I'm not doing the dance with negative information. I'm not flattening the curve over long. I still have to be able to. To, as a constituent element of my life, I still have to be able to assimilate bad news, right? I have to be able to, to hear bad news and not get ramped up over it. But how do I flatten that signal curve so that I can assimilate bad news without becoming uh, obsessed by it, overwhelmed by it, uh, distracted by it? You're right on the money, and that's a great analogy for this. Um, the curve you're trying to flatten is how your attention is spread out. Right. So if the only thing you're paying attention to is what looks like a problem, 
then anxiety correspondingly ramps straight up. And the only feelings you're having are the feelings you're having about the only thing you're paying attention to, which is the problem. Does that make any right. sense? And so that's yeah. why it spikes so high. And that's why yes. we feel like we're redlining even when we don't need to be. What's so groundbreaking about his book is he points out a lot of us pay attention to even things that aren't scary in this same way. It is the way we pay attention. And what's amazing, even more so, is that you can pay attention in the other way to things that are that are terrifying or exceedingly painful. So he was able to use what he had practiced in the direction of alpha before he really even understood it was a way of paying attention. He just had practiced an alpha state to address a strange abdominal pain he was experiencing. He didn't realize until later that though he would feel this really sharp pain that kind of makes you double over, he could move into an alpha state and he could essentially diffuse that pain to a level where it wasn't debilitating at all for like 24 hours in, in one go, right? He didn't realize until a few days had gone by that he was passing a kidney stone and was fully functional because his alpha wow. state was that strong. Is this making sense? Well, it does. And something that, that actually makes me think about it is that my husband has MS and he's in chronic pain all the time, but you wouldn't know it unless he actually tells you, right? Because he's, he's got just a great spirit and he's very positive and um, yeah. really sees, you know, the best in everything. And so it really does make me think, how how do you do that, you know, when you're in chronic pain? And that's how I kind of see that from what you're saying is that he's gotten himself into a state of what he's focusing on, which is the good and not the the stress of what's happening to his body. Femi would say, uh, you've almost got it. But it isn't the fact that he's focusing on the good. It is how he's focusing on the good. And the mm-hmm. way he focuses on the good lets him focus in that in that different, more alpha-like way. And he's he's retuning his he's retuned his brain in yeah. a way, even subconsciously. You've got it exactly right, except backward. The reason your husband is able to focus so beautifully on the good everywhere he goes and is so naturally positive is because one way or the other, he's become really good at an alpha state of attention. And when you're in that place it's so much easier to see the good. It Mm. feels really different. So what's Mm -hmm. fascinating about this is when you get used to, when you get good at with practice, and he's got exercises that that come with the book and more you can download that are really cool. And we can do a little demonstration today just to give you a quick idea of what this feels like. Rapidly, what we typically call chronic anxiety, or for that matter, depression, or uh, chronic migraines, or IBS, or ADHD, which is why this came up most, you know, to talk about today, all of these tend to dissolve and disappear. These are, hmm. in his mind, all products of a chronic beta brain. That is, that's fascinating. Okay, so you, in the spirit of, of helping folks who are listening along, uh, you think you can share with us some of the tools that uh, that you would use if somebody came to you with this to help sort of deal with this. And that the challenge that I think we're dealing with is we're all at home, right? We don't all have access to our uh, practitioners, our therapists. And if we do, it's 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 a challenge, right? It's a challenge yeah. for everybody adjusting to this new normal. How do we get, what are, are there some tools that we can, we can embrace that, that might help us alleviate some of the pain? Okay. So the, the most complete answer would be 
go pick up this book. It's actually very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's got an audio version of it where he reads the book and he reads it well. Well, I was just going to suggest if you like the book today, I'd like to insert just a brief ad spot, audibletrial.com slash the ADHD podcast. If you sign up for the free trial, you can get this book on Audible for free right now. Keep it forever. Uh, and and even if you don't want to keep the Audible service. So um, they are a, a sponsor of this show and Rash Pixel FM, and we thank them very much. So uh, the open focused brain, Les Femi uh, on Audible. Yes. There you go. When you have that book, you'll have access to, uh, and you can also find on his website, um, and we probably need to look that up for everybody. Yeah, and we'll put that in the show notes. Put the information out there. You've got access to exercises he does. And these exercises are a fascinating series of questions. He's found, and this just blew my mind when I realized like it actually works, He's found that if he asks you a series of questions, you cannot contemplate from a beta brain. You almost have to downshift into alpha, which is much more prominent, I guess, in the right side, if I remember right from his book. So these are basically right brain questions your left brain doesn't know what to do with. And so you downshift. If you practice that twice a day um, for, I don't remember how many days in a row, uh, you start to get much better at this. And he's right. In fact, you get much better at it quickly, enough so that when I went with um, with my son and his cousins to the Adventure Science Center here in Nashville, they have this fun little gizmo where you strap something to your forehead. Uh, it's a machine where you sit across from an opponent, and there's this ball that rolls between you in this plexiglass tube. And when whoever is relaxing more wins the contest by relaxing more and pushing the ball over to the other person's side of the table. Um, <laughs> with me, right? Well, that I just seems started reading so this counterintuitive book. to me. Right. How is that a competition? Relax harder. Exactly. And yeah. that's, the, that's the funny trick. And kids are way better at it than adults. So I usually get my ass kicked every year when we go and do this. <laughs> and it frustrates the bejesus out of me because I've meditated for literally 30 years and I can't relax as well as my, you know, now 12 year old, but whatever, 11, 10, nine year old at the times. So we got there this time and uh, I sit down across from uh, my little nephew and uh, I thought, oh, maybe I'll try one of these open focus exercises. So I close my eyes and I do that. And almost immediately I hear Orion's little voice say, hey, daddy, is this machine broken? And I open my eyes and I've already won. And normally, you know, in a game can go on for 10 minutes of trying to relax more than the other guy. And I was like, wait, that's fluke. So we reset the thing. I close my eyes. I do it again. And immediately he's like, yep, it's broken. I already won. So we switch seats. I win from that side. Then finally, I was like, no way. Maybe I'm just in a really relaxed state. So I just tried to do something else besides an open focus exercise. And it was totally even. In fact, I started to lose until I cheated and went back to this and won. Very interesting that like there is direct confirmation. Um, and I've done this also on Lynn Davis's EEG machine. And she's like, holy cow, you really moved immediately yeah. into alpha. So hmm. these exercises really work. Can you give us an example of what a right brain question is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm hoping you can ask a series of questions that will I I induce Help me to just start drooling. Right. Just <laughs> right now. Just, yeah. So... It's going to be interesting to see whether I can get you guys there because you both are on right now, right? You're yeah. in just a little yeah. bit of a beta state because you're on a podcast. You're 
mm-hmm. aware you're being recorded and listened to and evaluated and all those things. Um, but let's try it anyway. Uh, and certainly, I mean, I wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, well, I might. I think I'm projecting a little bit because this is my first time on the show, and you guys do this all the time. But that's fair. So, what I'd love you to do would be first just to to let your eyes close easily and gently, and let's catch up with your breath for just a minute, wherever that might be. Just notice for a little bit how you're breathing, and not boss it around. Or ask it to do anything different. And can you imagine that I might ask you a series of questions that don't require any effort? Can you imagine just bringing a kind of curiosity to these questions that involves no right answer or wrong answer? No performance of any kind. I'm going to ask you to consider some spatial distances, but not in the sense of measuring them. Not in the sense of how many inches from here to there, but just in the sense of contemplating the space itself. For example, can you imagine the distance between your eyes? Is it possible to be aware of this space between one ear and the other? Can you imagine the volume of space within your nose? Become aware of the air as it begins to move in and out of your nose. Can you imagine that with every inhale, your spine might ever so gently lengthen? that with every exhale, your shoulders might gently drop and broaden. Can you imagine the space behind your neck? In fact, can you imagine that there is infinite space stretching not just to the edges of this room on your right and left, or to the edges of this city, or country, or continent, but beyond this earth, can you imagine that there is space to your left and right that goes infinitely out to the very edges of the universe.
can you be aware of how much space there is in front of you and behind you, also stretching beyond this building, this city, this country, this hemisphere, this globe, out to the edges of our solar system and galaxy. That similarly above and below you, there is infinite space stretching out beyond this galaxy into incomprehensible space throughout this whole universe. Can you become aware of what's changed in your body just during this short exercise? Perhaps you've noticed a change almost in the sensation of your brain. It's just calmed a little bit or a lot. Come quieter. Very slowly, open your eyes to only half open. See if you can begin to notice your peripheral vision, most of all. And as your eyes begin to move just a little bit more open, allow the color that is beginning to stream in to gently deepen. Notice the sounds around you. No longer as points of information, but the actual space as sounds arrive from near and quite distant locations. Notice how spacious sound can be. What if this is only 10 or 15 percent as deep as you can go, and that you could carry this depth around with you all day long while still remaining alert enough to interact with your environment in a really creative, joyful way. That this feeling would remain even as you became more animated. and responsive to the needs of your environment. So coming just gently back, keep that feeling with you. And notice how quiet the whole world just got. Different, right? I don't want to be the one to interrupt it, but I just interrupted it because it's so quiet and everything's quiet, and no one has said a word in the chat room as long as you've been talking. And I think my arms are two inches longer. I think I can actually touch my knees, and I've just grown. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that's an amazing little experience. Nikki, what happened? I, I noticed my breath. Uh, when you asked, you know, what do you notice different? My breath immediately was different. Like, it was just, it was settled. 
because when I first started, when you first started talking, I couldn't get com- I wouldn't I couldn't get my breath to be comfortable, you know, where it was like natural. But by the end, it was I wasn't even thinking about it. It was just a natural in and out, you know, calm, steady. Uh, yeah. And what really surprises me is that it's really quiet in my house, which yeah. there's three other humans in this house, two teenagers. I don't know how you got that to happen because <laughs> they can't hear you. <laughs> but I, yeah, it was quiet. Yeah, I could hear my heartbeat. And usually that's a sign of great anxiety for me. And uh, I didn't have that experience. I could hear it. It was nice and steady. And it kept slowing down sort of with every breath. I could sort of feel that experience. I, I do want to go back to the uh, mind-altering questions, though, because those were more mind-altering than I expected them to be. Uh, I, I kind of got the space between the eyes. My first instinct was, well, I don't know, about an inch and a half. And I, I felt like I'm so on top of this. Dodge is not going to punk me on when this. When he no said way. distance, when he said yeah. don't think about the distance, I was thinking yeah. six feet apart. Yep, that's right. Because that's, that's where, right. six you feet know, apart. that's, that's the, right. what's in society yep. right now. But yeah, and then when you said don't do the distance, I had to yeah. kind of reframe that. Yeah. Well, and I didn't have a choice as soon as he said, can you imagine the volume in your nose? And I, that was, it was all over for me. Then, then suddenly there was no distance. There was no volume. It was like, I can't, I don't know what that's like. Like, it's just one continuous system that never quite stops or the space between your ears. Well, I don't know what, about eight inches. And then suddenly I, I lost track of what inches was anymore. It felt like, oh, also there's a universe between my ears. <laughs> I don't know how to conceptualize that. That was an amazing little bit that I feel like got, got flipped. I hope people were doing that along with us because uh i think that's a that's a that's a, that's a solid experience there mm-hmm. oh it certainly was yeah. very hard to describe the effect until you've experienced it um because yeah. sadly it's very unfamiliar for most people interestingly the folks out there who practice transcendental meditation are the ones who most often are like it felt just like tm yeah and here's what's really interesting about that it is exactly like TM neurologically. Um, what Femi says this does for you um, is not only to bring parts of your brain into alpha, but to bring the whole thing into alpha, and even better than that, to bring it into synchronized alpha. So the frontal lobe is, along with the temporal lobes, um, moving in exactly the same wave pattern at the same time when you really hit that state fully. And the only other meditation system I know of, and I've practiced a whole lot of them and been kind of, I've geeked out on this for years, that I know of that produces synchronized whole brain alpha is transcendental meditation. So that would be another way to get to this same state. Now, one thing that's really curious about that is they regularly talk about with TM, there's something weirdly contagious about it. You get one person meditating in the household and the whole household starts to change. I'm not surprised, Nikki, weirdly, as impossible yeah. as that should be. Like, there should be no way that you in a closed room with your phones on could move into a relaxed state and the whole house would move with you. But it just happened. Could be a coincidence, mm-hmm. but it happens a lot. Um, it's a very interesting thing. So can you explain what TM is? I've never heard of that before. Pete, if I remember right, has was trained in TM a, a million years ago like I was. 
It was my mother who, who actually uh, introduced it to me and and took me to a coach and and uh, yeah, got me started. But I'm certainly not the expert that that you are or the practitioner. I was lucky enough to train in TM at age 19, so fully 30 years ago now. And Transcendental Meditation is a system that comes out of India. Um, the founder is credited to be the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. It is uh, a technology, not a belief system. There's nothing they have to sell you except a technique. And it's a mm -hmm. mantra-based technique. They give you a mantra and a particular way to hear that in your mind that is profoundly quieting to the brain and body. Fantastic, fantastic effects. Um, it's the most researched of all the different meditation systems in the world. And they have got so much peer-reviewed material on what it does for your brain, for your IQ, for ADHD, um, for uh, your anxiety states, for depression, for COPD. It's the only known thing in the, in the world to affect all elements of COPD um, by itself, uh, whereas normally you have to take a separate medicine for each of the different elements, um, cancer rates, overall medical access, and so on and so on. Uh, longevity of life. I mean, it's ridiculous what this thing does. Um, it's really interesting. And it's, it is, they call it an effortless meditation system because it's by far the easiest meditation system I know out there. There's nothing to try at. You just that's sit so down and hear this mantra in your head and that's it. Um, mm. but the mantra, the application of the mantra is an interesting thing for me. It was an interesting experience because I, I was introduced to it when I was 14, I think, 13, 14, sometime when my mom thought this is going to be good to get this in your head. And I did it for a number of years and I've been on and off with that relationship, uh, with TM for years, but it never fails as long as I go between sessions, between sort of actively trying to present myself with that that mantra, that sound, as Dodge says, is unique to to what they they gift you with this sound that uniquely you sort of you hear in your own brain. Uh, I've I've never forgotten it. Uh, yeah. It always feels like putting on an old shoe. That uh, it is the the most singularly familiar sound that I could. Yeah. I, I could ever like more than a baby crying, my own child crying. Like I can hear that mantra at any time, and I can shape the 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 sound in my head, and I can I can be in that zone immediately. I've always found that that uh, a really interesting thing um, about it's, TM. It's very interesting. Yeah, all yeah. these years later, you can hear that mantra, and you'll you'll just start to drop into an alpha state. Um, so yeah. it is it is a fantastic cheat. <laughs> uh, and, and not a cheat. Um, it's it's just a fantastic practice. And what I love yeah. is um, that people from any different religious background or none at all um, can find this very helpful. It's it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't require any change in how you understand the world. It's just a thing to do for fifteen to twenty minutes twice a day, and just notice how much it helps. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I I think what what they're finding is that that whole brain. Uh, synchronized alpha is just turns out to be an immensely healing state of mind to be in. And so you can get there through open focus exercises, uh, or you can get there through, uh, through TM. If you're doing Les Fenny's approach, um, he's got recordings of him, many different kinds that get more and more advanced if you want to buy additional downloads, but, but two main ones come with the book itself. And those recordings are are him doing more or less what I was just doing. I just borrowed some of his questions, but doing it for like half an hour straight. 
And by the end of that half an hour, you are gone. I mean, you are so freaking deep. It took me months and months and months before I ever even heard the end of, of a half an hour thing because I'd be so gone. I, I was just not aware when it stopped, right? Like I, it's wow. not like sleep. It's, it's just, it's like TM. It's like you just go to this void. Uh, that's, that's really quite amazing. Um, my wife, Sophia has still never made it through half an hour. She can't get through more than about seven minutes before she's just, you know, in some <laughs> trance. And I mean, it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's interesting stuff. Another great, uh, resource. We'll put some links in the show notes for folks who want to learn some more about TM. Obviously the book, uh, we will put in the show notes as well and openfocus.com. Les Femme's, uh, website, uh, has all kinds of, of tools on there. Dodge, uh, thanks for Thank joining so us and helping us through this. This was uh, this was a, this a very great. timely and helpful little meditation to guide us through today, and I hope that was useful for others. Thank you for for the short notice. If it's ever helpful, another thing that can be useful to talk about are other direct interventions when you're feeling really anxious. And so, yeah, what we're looking for are like what creates open focus states, right? So this this book is great, TM open focus exercises, but the great sequence turns out to be essentially an open focus exercise. Um, Mm-hmm. And so we could talk about that too, if that's ever useful. Well, I think it oh, is yeah. useful, and I think you should—you uh, know—you you drop the gray sequence without introducing it to us. What? W- just tell us briefly what is the gray sequence, and we can talk a little bit more about that another time. It's an exercise I came up with years ago in my practice to help people mix together um, mindfulness, breath, some visualizing, and uh, some bilateral stimulation of the brain in a way that really deeply and been quite quickly reduces anxiety and moves you back into kind of a centered state. And it turns out to be a lot like an open focus exercise. By the time you mm-hmm. get to the other fe- side of it, it feels like what this can do. Um, so it's, it's a useful way to function. Yeah. Well, and, and, and as a, as a previous victim of Dodge's gray sequence work, I, I will tell you that is, um, <laughs> It is it, it is transformative for sure, uh, and uh, something that's worth talking about. I think at another at, at another time, it, because for for me, you know, when I am struggling with the ADHD pattern of no pattern, uh, like I just need something to to stop that frenetic energy, that motion that yeah. I feel the fireworks, silence the fireworks, and yeah. and that's what. Ooh, what that would we're be a good topic here. title. Yeah. Silence, Silence the, the fireworks. fireworks. <sighs> I love it. Oh, we got to get that scheduled. Yeah, we're going to get that scheduled. <laughs> this will be great. Uh, thank you so much, Dodge. Yes, thank short you, notice. Dodge. Nice to yeah. finally meet you. Nice to meet you too, Nikki. <laughs> Hi to everybody out there. Thanks so much for your listening. And thank you, everybody, for your time and attention on behalf of Dodge Ray and Nikki Kinzer. I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. 